we living at the end of time? Have we ever been given clear signs of the end of the world? Is it possible that there are warnings happening all around us and we just aren't seeing them? Is there any hope for this hopeless and helpless planet? I will answer those questions and more. My name is Chris Holland, and Unlocking Bible Prophecies Digging Deeper starts now. So what about all these signs of the end of the world? You know, there is a story from long ago that is a telling analogy for the current times in which we are living. In the twilight hours of April the 14th, 1912, the RMS Titanic sped through the icy waters of the Atlantic. At the last moment, an iceberg was spotted. The Titanic maneuvered to avoid that iceberg, but it tore a gash in the side of that magnificent ship. Almost three hours later, the ship sank with 1,500 of her over 2,000 crew and passengers perishing in the frigid waters. Could it be? that this 100-year-old story has a lesson for us today? Could it be that this story sheds light on a teaching of Jesus from almost 2,000 years ago? In 1908, White Star Lines contracted to have Olympic-class vessels built White Star was trying to stay on the cutting edge by building the largest cruise ships in the industry. Now, those ships would eventually be known as the Olympic and the Titanic. Titanic boasted a length of almost 300 meters, almost 1,000 feet, a width of almost 30 meters, and a height of over 30 meters, 100 feet wide, and just over 100 feet tall. It was the largest ship in the world at the time. This enormous boat was a luxurious liner. Even the third-class passenger facilities were lavish compared to other vessels. The Titanic and Olympic were deemed the largest and finest steamers in the world. Many experts of the day believed that they were unsinkable. However, as we know today, the Titanic was not the unsinkable ship she was thought to be. On April the 10th, 1912, the fateful journey of the Titanic began. Now, in the days leading up to the disaster, the Titanic had received several warning messages of drifting ice in the area. Under normal operating procedures of the times, the Titanic continued cruising at full speed. The ship simply placed a lookout to watch for any imminent danger. Now, unfortunately, the spotter saw the iceberg too late. After striking that iceberg, the Titanic sunk. Along with it, 1,500 people perished that day. It is a tragedy of historic proportions. 
Today, some of the artifacts from this terrible disaster are on display at Halifax's Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. You know, the Titanic received many warnings, but they ignored them. And that choice cost many lives. Is it possible, my dear friends, that we are living at a time where we have received many warnings, yet we have ignored them? Is it possible that despite the numerous warnings, we, like the Titanic, are simply cruising through life at full speed ahead? Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave warning signs. He predicted signs of his second coming. His second coming would usher in the end of the world. These signs were given so that we might know that his coming was near and the end of the world was near. So I want us to go back. Let us go back some 2,000 years ago there, as Jesus was concluding his ministry, just before he was arrested and ultimately killed, he met with his disciples. Now, in Matthew, the 24th chapter, Jesus spoke of how the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed, and the disciples were so distraught and troubled by the prospect of the great temple at Jerusalem being destroyed that they had questions. So the disciples came to him asking, and beginning in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 24, we can listen in on this conversation that they had so many years ago. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. And I want to encourage you, bring your Bible, follow along with your Bible, follow along in your smartphone, and let's read this together. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. When will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The disciples asked Jesus two questions. When would the temple be destroyed and what was the sign of his second coming? Now the disciples thought that those two events were one and the same. However, they were and are two distinct events. Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, overlooking Jerusalem, painted a vivid picture of a time when Jerusalem would be destroyed. He pointed forward to 70 AD when the Roman armies led by the general Titus would come and not leave one stone upon another. Now the disciples thought for sure that such a catastrophic event must precede the Lord's return and the end of the world. However, they misunderstood. Frankly, they may not have been able to endure the true nature 
of all of the events to come that Jesus was sharing with them. So as Jesus answered, he blended his answer so as to not overwhelm his disciples. They were unprepared for a full disclosure of future events. Now, after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, the disciples continued to study the words of Jesus And with the guidance of the promised Holy Spirit, they gained a more complete understanding. Today, like those early disciples, we are going to study the words of Jesus to discover the words of warning he has for us. Now, when reading a book or watching a movie, the final chapter of the book or the final minutes of that movie is often the climax In that final chapter or minutes, tensions are resolved and everything that book or movie was driving toward is brought to a conclusion. You know, the interesting thing about that is the Bible is no different. The Bible is replete with warnings to God's people and in the last chapter and in the last verses, a final warning is given, which all other warnings point to. In Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the entirety of the Bible, Jesus says these words in verse 7, behold, I am coming quickly. And then in verse 12, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And finally, in verse 20, Jesus says these words, surely I am coming quickly. In the last chapter of the Bible, with great urgency, Jesus tells us three times, he tells us that he is coming quickly. Now, How do we know when he is coming? Is there anything that points us to that reality? Today, we're going to study the specific warnings and signs Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 24. Those signs point us directly to the nearness of his coming. These warnings are in reality encouragements encouragements to be steadfast in our faith and cling to Jesus more closely. Now, as we begin this study, I want to share with you a key principle in understanding the timing of the Lord's return. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, and in verse 36, Jesus had a very clear teaching that we need to keep as the very foundation of understanding when he will come. And this is what he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. Now, did you hear that? No one knows the exact time of the Lord's return. So if any pastor any preacher, any teacher, any priest begins sharing with you that they know the exact timing of the Lord's second coming by setting a date, we can know 
that they are not operating according to biblical principles. Here at Unlocking Bible Prophecies, the Bible is our textbook and we allow the Bible to interpret itself and here Jesus makes clear that no one knows the time or the hour. Yet, we ought to care about the nearness of Jesus' return because in verse 42 of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says these words, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And then in verse 44, he says, therefore you also be ready for the Son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now in those two verses, Jesus gives us Two key principles in addition to the first principle. The first principle is no one knows the time or the hour. But these third and fourth principles will enable us to understand how we're to be prepared for his return. And those two words are simply this. Watch and be ready. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells us the signs of the times and what to watch for. And he gives us those signs so we might understand the nearness of his return. Then in chapter 25, he tells us how to be ready through teaching through three parables. These two principles of watch and be ready prepare us for that day of glorious hope when Jesus will come, this world will come to an end, and he will take us from this hopeless and helpless world. So what does it mean to watch? In the original Greek language, it gives this idea. It means to be on alert to be vigilant, and to be zealous. You see, this watching is not just a casual glance, but it is an intent gaze. This type of watching pays attention to the details so as to not miss anything. Have you ever missed something important? Have you ever turned away from an event you were watching, whether it's a sporting event or you were out watching wildlife and you turned away just for a moment and you missed the most important thing? In 2014, with just over three minutes to play in the gold medal women's hockey game at the Sochi Olympics, the U.S. women's team held a two-to-nothing lead over Canada. However, in a shocking turn of events, the Canadian team tied the game in less than two minutes and sent the match into overtime. And then there in overtime, they won the gold medal. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment that you had sat down and you had watched the entire game, the entire hockey game between the women's U.S. team and the women's Canadian team. You had watched for hours, and then in those closing three minutes, you figured the game was over and you just turned it off. Or 
said the game is over and I want to get ready for the next game that's coming on. And you went and popped a bag of microwave popcorn. Maybe you went to use the washroom or maybe you said, you know, I'm going to go get the mail. In just those few moments, you would have missed the most exciting moments and one of the most exciting moments of all of Olympic history. Watch. Jesus said, watch. Now, he didn't mean that we need to stare up into the clouds all day long, but he intended that we would carefully observe, that we would observe what is going on in the world around us. Don't misunderstand what I am saying. We should most certainly dwell on heavenly things and fill our mind with heavenly thoughts, yet at the same time, we are to be observant of the happenings on this earth that we might see the way marks warning us of what is to come next. And we need to watch. We need to watch until the very end when Jesus comes. Now, in the Bible, Mark chapter 13 is a parallel chapter to Matthew chapter 24. What I mean by a parallel chapter is that it shares the same event, but from a different perspective. Of course, Matthew writes from his perspective, and Mark is writing from his perspective. I want you to notice, there in Mark the 13th chapter, in verses 28 and 29, Jesus says something Interesting. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Jesus gave a simple illustration. When we see the buds on a tree as they are beginning to swell, we know that the change of season is at hand. If you happen to live in a part of the world that experiences cold and harsh winters where all the leaves fall off of the trees and these leaves, excuse me, these trees are bare without any leaves, as those tree buds begin to swell and break, it tells us something. It tells us that spring is coming and summer is on its way. In the same way, Jesus gave signs in Matthew 24 indicating that his return is soon. Even though we do not know the exact day or the exact hour, the year, we know that it is soon. So then what are the signs of his return? As we study Matthew chapter 24, we will see that the signs of his return can be grouped together into four categories. Signs in the religious world, signs in the political world, signs in the natural world, and signs in the world of society. The signs in the religious world are recorded in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says these words. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, 
even the elect. My dear friends, there is one true Christ. And there are true prophets. But Jesus says that in the last days there will be counterfeits. The challenge in many of the cases is that counterfeits are not always easy to recognize. In fact, the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 14 says these words. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Satan works through these false teachers, false preachers, false Christs, and they perform signs. These signs deceive and confuse people. You see, so often error is not outright error, but it is truth mixed with error, which still makes it error. This is what makes counterfeits so dangerous. They are often partially true, and sometimes there's a lot of truth mixed, but with just a small amount of error. You see, when we talk about counterfeiting, you never find a person who introduces himself or herself as a card-carrying member of the False Prophets Club. No, error is often couched in truth. When counterfeiters make bills, you don't see them counterfeiting a $13 bill. Why not? Because a $13 bill doesn't exist. Counterfeiters will try to copy the genuine article. In the month of May in the year 2000, the town of Walkerton, Ontario, seemed like any other small Ontario, Canada town. But suddenly, many of the townspeople began getting sick. Little did they know, the town's water supply had been contaminated by the deadly E. coli bacteria. It's a silent killer. It doesn't have a taste. It doesn't have a smell. People drank the water because, of course, drinking water is good for you. But this normally good-for-you water had been contaminated with a bacteria. Tasteless, no smell. It was good and poison mixed. It was a counterfeit of healthy, pure water. And that poison in the good water, made people sick. In fact, at least seven people died from that. Truth and error, truth and error are wrapped up together to deceive individuals. You see, the devil takes that and he wraps error with enough truth to make it palatable. It's the old saying, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. What can we use as a standard for truth? Second Timothy 
chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 tell us what the standard of truth is. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, scripture, my dear friends, is the litmus test. This book is what will mark with distinction what is truth and what is error. This book will make clear what is true and what is false. Friends, I must tell you, you need to beware of any teacher that steers you away from this book. It is our only true guide. In fact, on this very topic of the second coming, YouTube is littered with individuals claiming to have been shown something special. And that something special that they've been claiming to know about the second coming is almost always outside of the Bible. Their stories are portrayed as dramatic and moving and emotional. But my dear friends, we are called to understand the coming of Jesus in the light of his word, not an emotional experience. You know, too many people today make decisions based on their emotion and on their feelings. But God's word, God's word gives us the foundation to help us make decisions based on principle. You know, the devil has packaged false teachers and false teachings in many different forms. He's packaged them in books, magazines, television programs, digital media, movies. They feature the occult. And these features have grown and are some of the most popular, especially amongst young people. And these falsehoods are designed to mislead young people and teenagers. And they seem to be fascinated by these teachings. Youth and young adults dominate the number of adherents to the occult and those new members of cults. False teachers and leaders, they use their magnetic and mesmerizing personalities to deceive unsuspecting followers. In recent history, we have seen some of the more dramatic in the headlines. There was Jim Jones who formed the People's Temple. He claimed to be the people's savior. And in 1978, he ordered a mass suicide. That day, 909 people died of drinking cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. Jesus said false prophets and false Christs will arise. In 1993, David Koresh made a stand against the U.S. government in Waco, Texas. Koresh had a magnetic personality and drew numbers and numbers of followers. He too claimed to be the Messiah of the Bible. On April the 19th, 1993, 78 members of the Branch Davidians, including Koresh himself, perished when the U.S. government entered their compound and it caught on fires. False teachers will lead many astray. Marshall Applewhite, 
whose piercing eyes were seen in the many news magazines and television programs of the day was known as John Doe. He led the Heaven's Gate cult. and He taught his followers that the famous Hale-Bopp comet was being trailed by a spacecraft that would receive his followers and take them to a place of paradise and bliss. Between the dates of March the 22nd and March the 26th of 1997, 39 individuals, his followers, took their lives believing by taking their lives the spacecraft could pick them up and take them to bliss. Jesus said that many false prophets would rise. In Australia, A.J. Miller claims to be Jesus of Nazareth reincarnated. He claimed that in 2012, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney would be engulfed by the sea and no longer exist. His predictions, of course, failed. Apollo Quaboli, the founder of the Restorationist Church in the Philippines, he claims to be the appointed son of God. False Christs and false prophets will rise. And my dear friends, while these may seem easy to identify and easy to avoid, many people have been deceived. Yet these individuals have focused They have focused on these false teachers. And these individuals that I just named off, they've been focused on in the news and they're easily identifiable. But what about the individuals who claim to be teaching and preaching the Bible, but their teachings are false? Their sermons sound good. Their teaching is pleasing to the ear, but it's all based on false premises. We have only one safeguard, and that is the word of God. The Bible tells us that there will be a deception of a global nature and that all who dwell on the earth will face that deception. The book of Revelation predicts this about the end of time. Just before the return of Jesus in Revelation chapter 13, Verses 13 and 14, the Bible says this, he, the prophetic lamb-like beast that came out of the earth, performs great signs and wonders so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something very important. These false Christs and false teachers, these counterfeits, often have incredibly amazing and seemingly miraculous signs and wonders that accompany their teachings. You know, it's often been said, seeing is believing. However, that is not a biblical principle. If I see without studying and grounding myself in God's word, I place myself in grave danger. 
And this, my dear friends, has led many to be deceived. Friends, we cannot allow that which is exciting or exhilarating or what we like or what plays to our emotion dictate what is truth and error. There is only one thing that dictates what is truth and what is error, and that is God's word. Now, these signs in the religious world should not discourage us. In fact, the increasing number of false teachers indicates a fulfillment of Jesus' prediction. There is hope for this helpless planet. These signs point to the reality that Jesus is coming soon. The time is now to cling to Jesus and his word. But you know, Jesus also said there would be signs in the political world. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6 says these words. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. When you look back over the course of the 20th century, what you find is that it was the bloodiest century of all in history. The 20th century brought 180 million deaths from war alone in a society that many claim is getting better and better and more peaceful, the reality would suggest otherwise. Jesus predicted there would be a rise in war in just the first 20 years of the 21st century. There have been well over 25 wars and several million casualties. Today, there are fragile peace agreements and despite the many political spins on peace, so many areas of the world are teetering on the brink of war and revolution. Several countries have experienced major political upheavals. The Middle East continues to be in the midst of crisis. Iraq and Afghanistan continue to be extremely unstable. And this is just to name a few. Political unrest seems to be everywhere. The rise of populism has only increased the political divide and polarization of our society. Yet this should come as no surprise. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Friends, Jesus predicted that these signs would happen. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be overwhelmed. We need to do one thing. And that is to trust in Jesus. He gave us these signs so we might know him better and know when he's coming. We also need to understand that these signs of the times are exactly that. They are signs. These are not punishments from God. These are not retributions from God, but rather signs that he foresaw and out of his love for you and his love for me, he shared them so we would know what to watch for. My dear friends, the word of God 
is our only guide in the chaos of hopelessness. Jesus is our only hope when we are feeling helpless. All of these signs point to his soon return when he will bring an end to sin. He'll bring an end to suffering. He'll bring an end to death and he'll bring an end to dying and pain. You know, Jesus gave more signs of his return. And those signs also give us the assurance of his coming. Now we're all out of time this week, but we will continue our teaching on this very subject next week. Jesus gave many more signs. And as we continue that study next episode, your heart will be thrilled to know that Jesus is coming soon. But I want to leave you today with this assurance of Jesus. Even in the turmoil of this world, Jesus has given all of these signs as a sign of hope. In the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, a verse that I've memorized and a verse that I appreciate, it says these words. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My dear friends, Jesus will be with you. He won't leave you or forsake you, but he invites you today to come into a relationship with him. Do you see the signs of his return? Do you see the invitation he gives to watch and be ready? If you're seeing that today, the Bible gives then this counsel also from the book of Joshua. These words were written for God's people as they stood on the very edges of the promised land. In Joshua 24, 15, the Bible says this, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My dear friends, Heaven is our promised land. We stand on the edges. Are you today ready to say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord? It's a choice. Will you make a choice today to enter into a relationship with Jesus? Because when you make that choice, it will give you assurance and it will give you hope. And that assurance and hope is not just for some time in the future when Jesus comes again, but that hope and assurance is for now and the everyday things of life. You see, Deuteronomy 31.6 assures us of this. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Are you encouraged by that promise? He will not leave you or forsake you. Jesus' signs of hope can give us courage as we face the future of tomorrow and the struggles of today. Oh friend, Jesus is reaching out his hand. He's reaching out his hand of courage today. I invite you to give your heart and your life to him right now. I encourage you right this very moment, leave a comment in the comments section and say, I'm giving my heart to Jesus. Friends, Jesus is coming soon. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that your son Jesus is coming soon. May our hearts be encouraged. May our faith be lifted up. And may we cling to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. My dear friends, I don't want you to forget, you can go to www.awr.org forward slash Bible, where you can find this episode along with previous episodes of Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper, along with the first season of Unlocking Bible Prophecies. Friends, may God bless you. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Now I want you to remember, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button for this video. It really helps this video to be seen by many. And also click on that subscribe button and then the little bell next to it so you can be notified of all episodes of Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper. Friends, I hope to see you all again. And I hope you remember these words of 2 Peter 1.19. We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. God bless you, friends, and may the day star Jesus arise in your heart as you unlock Bible prophecies. hope you have enjoyed listening to the end time prophetic events whether you've never before opened a bible or have been studying it all your life you'll gain new insights from this series by looking at revelation and daniel as well as other books of the bible you'll find that the bible itself clearly unlocks the mysteries of bible prophecies this will transform what may feel like a confusing book into something clear and understandable. If you want to learn more Bible truth, or ask a Bible question, or perhaps find freedom, healing, and hope in Jesus, please give us a call. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two four zero two 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 zero seven seven seven. We are certain that you'll gain a deeper understanding of Jesus' love for you and emerge with an even closer relationship with Him. For more information, visit us on the web at bible.awr.org or send us an email at bible.awr.org.
প্রাণের যিশু আজ তোমার
Show. Yeah.